Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. We start each service reading out um, scripture. Um, today is going to be Psalms 43, which says, Vindicate me, O Lord, and defend my cause against any godly people. From the deceitful and unjust men, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about the mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to my God, I'm sorry, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Please bow your head in prayer. God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together with believers. Thank you for the opportunity to get to know others who seek your face, Father God. We pray that the love of River City, the sense of community, um, is extended upon all those who enter the doors today. Let anybody with a broken heart, Father God, feel like they have the opportunity to connect. We pray for those who are leading us in worship as well as those who are sitting in the congregation. We thank you, God, that you give us the opportunity to just glorify you and gather around you, Father God. We pray for those who are on their way, Father God, and we pray for all the churches in your kingdom. We know that the church is not limited to one building and two doors, Father God. It extends on those who are gathered in living rooms, who are gathered around the fields. It extends to anyone who is praying and glorifying your name. We pray for all our sisters and brothers on today, Father God, and we just pray for joy. We pray for love, and we pray for the opportunity to disciple others. In this day, we pray. Amen. God, it sure was reckless to leverage your omnipotence to create humans who would sin and fail. And it was reckless to make a covenant and to partner with those humans 
to bring about a plan where we could be reconciled. And it was reckless to put on flesh and to be born Emmanuel and to hurt and to breathe and to ache and to feel pain and joy. That was so reckless. And it was reckless to break bread with your enemy. And it was reckless to die without complaint or without argument. And it was reckless to turn eternity on its head when you rose from the dead. All for human beings that fall short and fail and are broken. And it is reckless to give us our inheritance. And even though we squander it, it is reckless to run out to us and bring us home, knowing we might do that again. And oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God that tells each one of us that we have already been found and we are already seen and we are already known. We receive this reckless love as a gift. We are humbled by your love, Jesus. Who does what you do? Who is like you? And God, let the reckless love not just sit and be squandered inside, but show us how do we love recklessly? How do we love those who don't deserve to be loved, who have harmed us, who have hurt us, who are our enemies? who pull out guns and arguments in our face. How do we love those? I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to sit with my enemy. I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to show grace. I have this overwhelming capacity for patience and self-control. So Holy Spirit, we need you. We feel so filled up by your reckless love this morning. But we don't want to squander that. We need to take it out. We must take it out because others need to see you, to be found by you, to be healed by you, to be set free. Empower us right now to share that reckless love with the least of these. In Jesus' name, amen. I really, so we've been on a retreat for the last three days. I got back, Bill and I got back at 5. We left at 5 a.m. this morning to get here and came and set up the sanctuary, which was actually, it's actually fun for me. Um, but, so I've kind of struggled through this because this content is so familiar to me. He's one of the characters in the Bible that I'm about to read you about that I actually feel like I know. It's not, I'm not just reading you a story. Bartimaeus is someone that, Throughout my history and ministry has come up so many times. You hear it every time we have birthday Sunday. I remember my first sermon I ever preached was about Bartimaeus to a youth ministry, and I need to ask for forgiveness to everybody in that group. 14 years ago, I felt like I was the best preacher that Georgia would ever see, and I found out that I was not even the best preacher in that room. 
Um, and so I remember preaching about Bartimaeus, though, and I remember the reason was there's something about how Jesus loves in this story that appeals deeply to my heart, that appeals so deeply that I could sink my teeth into it and bite off just a full, full feeding of the love of Christ, which is what I need. And it reminded me, actually, the way that this story happened of some songs we used to sing. And I, these have been on my heart all week. The, the songs I remember, and I, I don't, you guys know this, I come from kind of a, a definite checkered past, like we all do, a lot of brokenness, a lot of self-hate, a lot of insecurity that looked more like anger. Um, and I remember being a part of churches that would sing some songs that at the time I didn't know were really formative for me and that are good memories. Even in a season I would say, I don't, I don't remember loving church. But the songs had this seeking element connected to a warmness. And it, I just even think, like I still sing some of them, the, the, um, the song Draw Me Close to You, you remember that one? Anybody remember that stuff? You know, you heard what I'm saying? Never let me go. No? I'm not going to do this on my own. It's going to be weird. <laughs> Lay it all down. Man. Jenny? Anybody named Jenny? You are my desire. No, no one else could. You're all I want. Is that the right one? Like those that. And then there's the. Um, okay, we can stop on that one. Uh, and then this one. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Who doesn't know it? Raise your hand. Now you do. You alone are my okay, one more. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> Something about that genre for me speaks about the love of Jesus in a way that like, sound the alarm, run to the altar. That's not bad, but it didn't do for me what that did for me. That formation that happened in this version of Jesus that happened to be humble and peaceful and warm. This is the version of Jesus that I see in this passage. This is the version of Jesus that I hope is the real one that is warm and loving and wants to sit around a campfire with me in heaven and talk about my day, not the one that wants to put armor on me and send me into a war. And I'm not, I understand there are people in this room, I understand battle, I understand that. But I understand for me the thing that drew me to Jesus was this idea of a loving father that takes time with me, that can see my insecurities, that can see all of that and still is like, buddy, I'm so in love with you. And I'm going to, there's going to be some goofy songs you're going to love forever. Got to do one more because it's different. But if anybody knows this one, then you're a part of another level of Christianity that's different. But, and I went to the, and I 
took back what he stole from me. Yeah, all the Pentecostals were like, yes, that's what we need. Yes. That's good stuff, too, but that doesn't speak about my father. And that, it speaks about an enemy. Like, I don't want to sing about my enemy. I want to sing about my Jesus. But those are all good. And I know for you, I'm not saying that the only good songs are 80s worship songs from youth group where you had the guy that had to put the thing on the slide and back away, and he did it wrong, and you're like, can you put that on straight, bro? Yeah, one job. Put it on straight. And I think the other songs are actually appropriate and good. But when I think of Bartimaeus in this passage, somebody have that song on? Oh, is that Wanda? Thank you, Wanda. <laughs> so perfect. All right. Um, I'm not trying to be here all day, guys. But I'm preaching on this sermon again today, and I told the guys last night, I had a moment with Jesus. This weekend was different. It wasn't like the other retreats I've led where we worship for four hours, and it's about worship, and it's about what you get done. This was... There was silence and solitude, there was uh, meditation, there was blessing one another, using our mouths to speak blessing over people. And last night in our last gathering, I felt unction, and I felt like I was supposed to tell everybody in probably an awkward setting because it was peaceful, no one can do what Christ is calling you to do. If you're in a situation or a thing that is keeping you boxed in, that you're unhappy with, that you're broken and you're stuck in it and you're continuing in it, no one can make you get out of that into what you're supposed to stand in. You have to do the tough work of standing in your spot. You have to do the tough work of your own soul. No one is going to do it for you. It has to be done by you, being led by the Spirit and Jesus specifically, into the place that you are supposed to stand for Him and with Him for your life. Many of us are not there. I'm not there. I want to be there. Anxiety and success box me in. If you could just brag about something that I did, I'll feel okay. And Jesus is asking me to step out of that and away from that into a place where I am following him daily, full of identity, going out of the world, out into the world with love, singing songs like this morning. And my struggle with this morning, I didn't have a bat. It was beautiful. But I don't want to worship like that and then wait till next week to worship like that and not love anyone this week. I'm just saying, if we're going to be a spirit-filled church and we're going to worship like that, you better be the most loving people in the city. Because if you're not, then it wasn't real. We can sing all morning long. And I love it, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, I will sing like that with you all day. But every time in my heart, there's something that says, if you're going to sing like that, you better love people like that. You better love people you're not supposed to love like that. You better not stop when here. You better not put pressure on other people to do things on this setting when you're not doing anything in your family, in your world, in your job. This is the place we are sent from. We are sent from here. Let's worship like crazy. Let's make it a little uncomfortable and weird. That's fine, right? But let's love uncomfortably and weird and full and full. That's the point of the gospel, guys. We're still on planet Earth. We all are going to live our own lives. I'm not living your life. You're not living my life. You will choose each day how you will live. You will choose with where your life goes. And only you can live the life. And so Jesus gives us all of these opportunities to taste and see that he is good. Drawing us and we're Draw me close to you. And wooing us and bringing us into this family 
and then sending us as Jesus to other people. No one can do that for you. Please don't settle anymore. It doesn't matter if you get another house. It doesn't matter the job you have. Those things matter. But walking with Jesus and that being what is first is everything. It is everything. If something is in its place, guys, if something is in its place, hear Jesus calling to you like he did to Bartimaeus. Can you pull up Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52? Just a little recap. We've traveled through this passage, and we have gone away from it for a month because God has called our church into seeking and fasting about what's happening next. But just some recap. This is a passage that walks through some people who are blinded, some people who are waiting for Jesus to come and destroy people. They actually think he's on his way into the capital to reclaim it for Jerusalem for the Jewish community, and destroy everyone. They think, that's why they say, that's why even Bartimaeus prays, son of David, have mercy on me. He, he knows him and doesn't know him as a conquering king that's coming to rightfully take his place by force. And that's why the conversation before this with the two disciples about, we want, to, we want you to do something for us, right? Like Jesus tells them, I'm about to die. The most descriptive way he's told it yet in this gospel. I'm about to die and here's, what's gonna, here's how it's going to happen. And the, after he says that, they look at him and says. Okay, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. A similar question to what happens here. We want to sit near you in heaven. They wanted power still. So Jesus is misunderstood. He's starting to show his true colors that he's coming to do it differently. He's going to serve. He's definitely going to be a servant. He's going to serve first. He's going to give himself completely. And then he's on his way from... Jerusalem to Judea to Jerusalem, and it's about a six-hour trek, and there are about 100,000 people on the sides of the roads because all of them are heading for the feast. And Bartimaeus is a part of this scene, but let me just read it to you really quick. And they came to Jericho, Jericho, I'm sorry. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And just for you to know, Bartimaeus literally just means son of Timaeus. So he has no personal identity except for what's connected to his father. It's just, that's very intriguing to me, that his identity is literally, it'd be like my identity, just son of Ken. That's, that's son of Ken. He was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he came to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, this, this gives me goosebumps. Jesus like, does like probably like one of these things, and he's like, call him to me. Get up. He actually, he actually stops and says, call him to the people, telling him to be quiet. So the people saying, be silent, are now being told by Jesus. Tell him to come to me. And they're like, oh, yeah, gotcha. Come to him. So take heart. Get up. He is calling you, they say. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Not, there's no, like, curveballs here. Just straight, like, 
What do you want me to do for you? Like we would say to our four-year-olds. And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Father, we so desperately need you to infuse this with the Spirit's power. This is not just a story. This is a living chunk of a lesson that we can put ourselves into and learn from you right now. Let Bartimaeus be a model today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple things I just want to share with you. Bartimaeus, of course, is on the roadside. He's sitting. He's actually wearing a cloak that's given to someone who's a beggar so that if you're walking by, you know that person's a beggar. Another thing about Bartimaeus that's very interesting is that in this culture, 100% of the people would have believed it was either his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be blind. And so he was sitting there because of sin. So he's seated because of sin. So when the disciples or whoever's with him say silence, it's because they really legitimately think they're right. You should be silent. Where you are, you deserve to be. Stay there. That's, of course, not why or what was happening. So he's on the side of the road. He's doing his thing. He's begging. Jesus begins to come by, and something about Jesus to him makes him feel like he can be brave. I don't know where you are with Jesus. I can't make you be desperate for God. People who have, in my history, especially in settings of church, that have tried to make me be desperate or make me feel bad for not being desperate, it's confusing to me. I can't, I can't formulate that, right? Like, there have been times where people have been like, you need to cry out for God. I'm like, I'm, this is really horrible to say. I'm not in that spot. I want to be, but I'm not. Like, is it okay to pray a prayer like, make me desperate? Because I'm not desperate, but you're making me feel really terrible right now. I've actually had a guy stand on a stage one day and call me out, like, and said mean things, and I didn't enjoy it. Um, but this, in this setting, there's something about Jesus to Bartimaeus that he's just heard that makes him believe, I need to do this. Like, this is my shot. I need to, he's walking by. And so he boldly asks, he boldly asks what he needs. Jesus, he calls his name, Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He uses actual words to make what's happening inside go outside. He's able to self-assess enough to realize, I am broken. This is not good. The only thing that I can do is trust people to walk by and hopefully give me something to either eat or some money. This is where I will be for the rest of my life. This is my spot. This brokenness, this blindness, this emptiness, this lack of being able to connect, this complete dependence on other people I don't even know. And something about that plight for him, that spot of not wanting to be there, makes him desperate enough to scream out to somebody he doesn't know that he still thinks is a Messiah that's going to come and destroy people. Son of David, have mercy on him. He doesn't care. The crowd hears him. The crowd tells him to be silent. The crowd rarely knows who Jesus is. And I would say that even for today. The crowd typically is not on the same page as Jesus. And in this case, they're on the exact opposite page. 
but he doesn't even care about the crowd, right? Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to scream louder. And I'm not saying that if you scream twice to Jesus and one's louder than the other, then your formula, that's your formula for, like, complete redemption. That's not what this is about. It's about yearning. It's about those songs. It's about labeling inside of us what's broken enough to say, I'm really done with this. I'm done with being this way. And I've heard about this person that he could do something that I can't do on my own. And then putting to words that stuff. But he's able to self-assess. And he doesn't point fingers. You don't understand. My parents sinned. Jesus is like, actually, no, they didn't. That was all misconstrued. He doesn't point any fingers at anybody. He's in a spot. He's broken. He's hurting. He doesn't blame anyone. It's not anybody else's fault. And even if it was at that point, I don't think he would care to say that. He has this opportunity. Jesus is walking by. He's going to get his attention. He is going to speak loud enough for Jesus to hear him. And he does. He's told to be quiet. He doesn't. And then Jesus steps in. And there's something really prophetic about this that I haven't wrapped my brain around yet. Jesus, Jesus, I just said Jesus. You were already laughing before I even made a joke of it, Sarah. Jesus is what I call him sometimes, guys. That's my secret Jesus name. You guys don't have one? You should. I don't know where I'm at now. Where was I? What did you do to me? Jesus. Okay, all right. So Jesus, this is it. And I have, I'm going to preach about this again sometime. Jesus speaks, he speaks first to two things. He speaks one to the voices speaking to Bartimaeus. And he tells those voices to be quiet. You can't make those voices stop. You ain't making any of those voices stop. And in a minute, we'll hear what those voices are for us. And then he speaks directly to Bartimaeus. Come on, come on, come on. I just silenced that. Like, and that was real. That was a real voice. You're in a real spot. You really are a beggar. And you're really broken. And you're really blind. I just silenced all of that. And now I'm speaking to you. Listen to me. Many of us are on a blanket begging and keeping ourselves consistently in the same place for the rest of our lives because we're believing crowds that actually have some legitimacy. But Jesus is more legitimate than the crowd, even if the crowd is real. Even if you were a prostitute or a beggar, Jesus' voice is more real. The reality of what he says when he speaks it trumps any true reality that we see. That's the beautiful part. Jesus speaks to the crowd, speaks to this person. You know what happens next? Come. What do you want? Man, I would mess that up. I know too much about Jesus. I would try and sound really great and cool. I would peter him up. Like, I'd be, I'd be all about it. He would be impressed. I don't know what I would, like, when you think about really what's happening in your heart, and just for a minute, like, wake up people who just come to church. This question is for you. This question is for you right now. What do you really want? What do you want from him? What do you actually want? Stop pretending. Stop propping up your life against something that's not valuable. What legitimately, if he was, and he is really, he really is standing in front of you saying this. What are you saying, Tyler? What do you want? He's saying it to you right now, and you're able to speak it. Listen, and if your thing is like, I want a Corvette, that's really not your thing. I'm just going to say that. It's like, it's really not. 
What does your heart really, really want? Some of you need to say, I just want to feel like I am accepted for once. Some of you would say, I need to stop performing. I hate waking up and accomplishing. Some of you would say, I feel so much shame. I just want to run. I'm so afraid. What do you really want from him? It's crazy love like Sarah talked about. That's the Jesus that we want you to know. That's the Jesus. He's not trying to put a weapon in your hand. And I get it. That's not his in route to make you go stand in the enemy's camp and take back what the devil stole from you. That's not your in route, right? That's cool and good for some things. But your in route is the love of a father that is just aching for you to know how much he loves you. So he lets you respond to a simple four-year-old question. Come up here. What do you want? And you're allowed to be real with it. You're allowed to say, like, God, I just want, and here's my real one, 100%. I want my worth to be so settled in you, Jesus, that I stop trying to prove who I am every day so that people will accept me or I have some kind of value. Like, I literally, if I do not wake up and face that every single day, I am in, I catch myself in the process of achieving something. And, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm probably not even good at that. And then I feel the love of Jesus just coming here this morning, like, how transparent am I allowed to be? <laughs> I'm way too transparent sometimes. I'm, I mean, I, I worry about the dumbest things as a pastor, like, that all of us worry about. I do, and, like, coming here, I didn't really have this together like it needed to be. I've been with 17 dudes for three days, like, and it was fun. Um, but I heard him saying, Josh, your worth is not in this message. Your worth, and I, I, was, I was able to drink that in. I said, thank you, Jesus, riding back with Bill this morning at 5-something a.m. Because we don't talk in cars, neither me or him to each other. We just look forward to do this. <laughs> and we, we actually really enjoy that. It was really great. So I had a lot of silence and solitude. And I felt Jesus speak into that actual desire in me. Your worth is settled, bro. Preach a message. You mess it up, you mess it up. Don't be a heretic. Don't preach something that's not there. It's the word of God. It needs to be preached. It's important. But your worth is not based around it. You're not going to get any prize for being something extra than what I'm asking you to be. I need to hear that every single day. What is coming out of your heart? For those of you who are twos on the Enneagram or know anything about it, you don't get your worth from who you can help. If you help everybody, you don't get any more worth. You don't. Your true desire is you're worthy before you help anyone. You need to know that. What is coming out of your heart? If Jesus looked at you today, literally, God, I don't know how to make this like jump into your brains. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? What would you really say? Second question for you. The crowds in your life. It's not even time to blame them, guys. They are what they are. Your family growing up was a crowd. Your actual crowd around your job is a crowd. Your mind and your thoughts can be a crowd telling you very real things. What would Jesus say to those things? The Jesus that you know and love, we just sang those beautiful songs together that make us feel like we want to hug. 
What would that Jesus say to those voices? The one that is telling you, you have to do good today. The one that is telling you, you're really ugly and you're never going to be pretty. The one that is telling you, that thing is so massive, the residual effects from it will always be with you and you're never going to have freedom. What would Jesus say to those crowds? Legitimately, let him interact with those things. When I let him interact with my need to succeed and perform, and I start to verbalize it, I want to be the best pastor ever. What? What, what is that, Josh? What is the best pastor ever? Well, it's really good at uh, speaking and being better than other pastors. Wait, what did you say? Why do you want to be better than other pastors? Well, I don't know. Why do you want to be better than other pastors? <laughs> uh, and then I'm like, oh. And then he's like, yeah, you're, you're, that's just, this is just simple stuff, Josh. Your worth is not in how awesome of a pastor you are. Your worth is founded and grounded in me, Jesus, and that was settled, and it's already settled. And you can wake up and be happy about that every day. And then you can joyfully go about the work I'm calling you to. It's not usually that quick in my mind. But what is it for you? If you guys would stand with me. Um, the people who are doing ministry time, if you want to come up. I want you to have a symbol of today so that you always remember. The cloak that Bartimaeus wore literally kept him alive. It was his identity. His cloak was how people could recognize, I need to give money to that person or try and avoid that person. His cloak kept him warm. When he threw off his cloak, he literally was throwing off his identity. He was stepping away from an identity that the crowds had given him that legitimately made sense for a blind person. So there's extreme bravery in his step. There's the kind of bravery that says, and I don't know if he was naked, but in my picture of this story, the cloak is off, he's naked. Because he is that brave, and he is running to Jesus, and there's a naked person running to Jesus. Because literally, that's what it feels like when we step outside of our propped-up identities. You feel naked, you feel vulnerability hangover, you feel all of it. So this isn't about you being vulnerable, vulnerable with us. This is about you responding to Jesus and labeling the cloak that you're wearing right now that's propping you up and keeping you in a spot of brokenness that he doesn't want you in. Jesus is healer. And not just like, so for me, I've never, never had him grow something or make a finger, and that's happened to people. I have legitimately felt him heal emotions in me. I have legitimately had him heal a relationship that I was going to make someone pay, and I was ready to do it. I've seen him come in and take it like that, healing. Jesus heals and restores. And you are always on the road to restoration. You are always being restored. The word salvation, sozo, actually means being saved daily. Daily. You're being restored. Your Father is restoring you. It is impossible to restore yourself. So be like Bartimaeus. See Jesus coming. Say, hey, Jesus. And then realize you've got to interact with the awkwardness. And then scream it again. And then let him call you. And then go with him. And then he followed them from him from that point on. He left everything. Like, he's just happy to be with the dude that healed him. And now he's learning from him. And he's got a new identity. Man, close your eyes with me. I'm going to pray this over you. Imaginative prayer. You've got a cloak around you right now. Let Jesus label what it is that's not, that's not him wanting it on you. And in your mind's eye, let him take the cloak off. 
And Jesus, I just pray that you would just approach people and that you would just wrap your arms around people and that you would grab the cloak and that you would do with it what's needed to be done. You're going to feel naked and broken, but that's why Jesus is near to you. He's what replaces the cloak. He is the new cloak. Clothe yourselves with Christ. Father, speak into our hearts. He's asking you, what do you want? (laughs) What do you want? We're going to give you some response time. If any moment you need prayer or somebody to partner with you, we have four prayer teams up here and we can provide more. Jesus, we thank you um, that what happens here doesn't stop here and that there is always more. So God, would you take us into this week, show us where you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.